in the battle for your happiness, and for your freedom, and for your purpose, there is a force that lurks to cripple your progress. With every moment, you have to make a decision to work towards the life you dream of creating or to suppress the life you dream of creating. When the dark forces of resistance and stress and anxiety and fear sneak up to kidnap your motivation and leave you in a pool of popcorn and ice cream in 30-hour pantless Netflix binge sessions, you have to be able to identify the severity of the situation and make a decision to slaughter those gremlins and keep working towards what really matters, the magic that lights you up, the magic that gives you purpose, and the magic that makes you want to shake that booty like Shakira or Richard Simmons. It's a matter of opinion on who you think is sexier. You are filled with magic, and you have superpowers that can take you places you've never thought were possible, but it's just hard to remember sometimes. Your mind gets stuffed with a cloud of news and public media and outside opinions and to-do lists and all that other life stuff. And you forget the beauty of simply loving and living and optimizing your spectacular trip on this giant rock that is floating through the universe. Whatever you dream of, it's real. Whatever you want to achieve, you will. You just have to take back control of your moments and make the right decision in each moment to work towards your goals and your visions and your dreams. If you can dominate that small aspect, you'll be an unstoppable force against the army of fear that tries to hinder your creative empire. You'll be laughing like a raging maniac on top of your freedom throne, shooting spitballs at gremlins as they cower and retreat. It's true. You cannot become your highest self and achieve your ultimate purpose by being who you've always been and doing what you've always done. But with a little inspiration, you will be the captain of a rocket ship that beasts up your motivation muscles to infinite levels around the stars. So pick a star, any star. You can choose whatever you want. This has never stopped peaking, and I am Heath Armstrong. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon. While your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, make it milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Ah, I love that Spacey sexiness Man, Jay Thomas and I are going to put out a full album of that shit, and it is going to pop off the charts. It's funny because I've actually had create an album on my vision board for so long, and it just has never felt like the right time to do it, and I haven't really met the right person. And I think I finally have, given the intro and outro of this show. I mean, it's pretty gangster. I'm not going to lie. What do you guys think? Um, Anytime you guys have opinions throughout these shows, 
If you have any questions for any of the guests or anything that you want to comment on, please go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash voice, and you can record a message right on the browser that'll come straight to us. Um, I want to start getting those on the show. These first couple episodes don't have them because they weren't live when we recorded them, obviously. Um, But give that a chickity chickity check. Also, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about um, money because I have this group on Facebook as a small closed group that you only get access to if you get the link through the sweet ass journal, which all of you should have by now. Shameless plug. Um, anyways, the one of the topics that gets brought up sometimes is is the use of money or or the misery of debt and things like that. And I have an incredible episode on today with Jules Schroeder, who, I mean, at 18, she created her first six six figure company at 22, she created like her first seven figure company and she lost everything at one point. She almost died with a wakeboarding accident. And now she's built up this massive thing called the unconventional life. Uh, she is sponsored with Forbes and I met her down in Nicaragua, Nicaragua back into in, in November and did some really incredible, um, just an unbelievable experience with her events and got a lot of closure. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, I talk quite a bit about Jared or with Jared and Gaza about entity experience, um, how that opened for me and started changing my life and then how it closed out when I met Jules. And so in this episode, we get into some other eerie things about the entity she has experienced um, and all of this woo-woo shit that most of you don't fucking believe. But if you come across it in life, I promise you, uh, you'll change your mind. That being said, back to the money comment. Um, before I went down to Nicaragua, I was really in a bind thinking like, oh my God, yeah, I've sold over a million dollars on Amazon. I've got this great business going, but I had a big blow to the stomach last year and it hurt me financially. And I wasn't sure that I'd be able to spend money to get down there, but I got over it because I realized that spending the money to go down on that trip was going to complement my magic, which is what I want to talk to you about. So you want to use your money to complement your magic, but never to own your magic. So I spent most of my life worshiping money like it was God. Most of us in the Western world spend our lives in this green hole of fuckery. It's jammed inside of our bums from the day we pop out of our mammy's wombs. How many decisions that you make in life are in relation to money? How you spend your time? Where you spend your time? And with money, the how and the where always have limits, right? But with happiness, with happiness, there are no limits, regardless of your monetary situation. We're going to talk a lot about happiness on this show because I write about it. I'm passionate about it. It makes me feel good, and I want you all to feel good as well. Being financially free is a kick-ass experience that all of us should work towards, but we often allow our financial status to govern how happy we are, and that is a huge fucking mistake, people. Happiness and money can be friends, but they do not rely on each other. Do you understand? They can totally complement each other in magical ways, but you can have one without the other. Money is finite. Happiness is infinite. Whenever the stress gremlins start to pound my ass with dark clouds of money worries, I clench my butt cheeks up real tight. I clench them up real tight now. And I repeat affirmations out loud. I mean, you guys might think it's it's crazy or silly to do this affirmation thing, but when you're saying this out loud in your own voice and you're hearing it, you're rewiring your brain to believe it's true. And then you start making decisions that fall in alignment with those affirmations, whether you know it or not, subconsciously. 
So I repeat this. My financial status does not dictate my happiness. Money makes me more of who I am, and I am an amazing person. And this is one of the mantras that is on um, the affirmation cards that we're getting ready to launch on Kickstarter. If you go to RageCreate.com, you can check that out. You can actually download a lot of cool goodies right now, a sample pack of the cards. You can get entered to win all sorts of cool stuff. Um, we got these like destroy resistance gremlin t-shirts and things like that. But go to that site, check it out. Um, but my financial status does not dictate my happiness. Money makes me more of who I am and I am an amazing person. So close your eyes and imagine all the things in life that truly make you happy. Visualize what it feels like to be surrounded by these magical beings at all times. Then... Repeat the affirmations out loud yourself. And I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. Pause this and just do that. So since you are so amazing, you are now starting to realize that the most beautiful parts of life are with you at all times, with or without money. And since you no longer allow money to handicap your happiness, right? You can make decisions that will allow you to attract abundance in any area that you choose. Remember, money is not the fountain of eternal happiness. Money only makes you more of who you are. So what do I mean by that? If you are an asshole who loves to pop bottles of Cristal at strip clubs and rev the engine on your shitty diesel truck in the parking lot when you leave, money will only allow you to pop more bottles of Cristal. And rev the engine more times in a nicer diesel truck as you leave more often and hopefully you get pulled over by the Poe. And maybe they'll put fingers in your butt in jail and you'll totally deserve it for being a douche. But these things, they don't make you happy, right? But if you are a big-hearted philanthropist who loves to help the well-being of others, money allows you to help more people in bigger ways. Do you see what I'm saying? You are not a slave to God money. You are the God of money. You are the God of how you choose to use it. You are the God of how you choose to have a relationship with it. You have the power to use money, but money has no power to use you unless you allow it to. But you're not going to allow it anymore, right? You have an abundance of happiness and purpose with or without money. So use your money to complement your magic, but never mistake it for being your magic. Now go burn a dollar and meditate and see how fucking good it makes you feel. Then come back and listen to the rest of this amazing episode with Jules Schroeder of The Unconventional Life. Yeehaw! Guys, every episode, we do a giveaway, um, usually in relation to the guest. If you went to the first episode, I'm giving away a free sweet-ass journal. In Jared's episode, we're giving away a copy of his book, When Wisdom Meets Passion. And Jules just put out an album. She's also a musician. Unbelievable voice that she channels from the source. It is incredible. Gives me goosebumps, actually. Um, I got to sing and do all sorts of stuff with her down in Nicaragua. But um, if you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway, you can enter into the current giveaway on this episode, but also you'll be entered to win every single future giveaway. So that's pretty fucking cool. That's big tit McGee. That's titties McGee, y'all. Um, jump on that train and ride it. I'm on that train and ride it. Um, 
All right, so I'm rambling, and I wanted to get to the one last thought that I want to cram in your ass before we get this show started. And this is very important, guys. Not just because I need the reviews. I don't. I don't even want to ask you or say that I need it, but I have a podcast now. I promised myself I wouldn't make this a chore, but I want to turn it into something that does. It, it falls in alignment with what I'm trying to do to make good happen in the world. And I am working with an organization in Uganda. And I want to donate more money to them. I sponsor kids already. I was over there over the summer and I want to give you guys an opportunity to help while helping the show and helping get this to more people so that we can get more money raised for it. Leave me a review on iTunes um, or Stitcher or whatever, and I will read them out and I will donate $2 for every single review that you guys leave. That's all you have to do. Take five minutes of your time to leave a review on iTunes and uh, you'll get $2 donated to the foundation from my pocket. And I really appreciate it, guys. I really do. Okay, let's get into this episode with Jewel Schroeder. She's amazing. Her voice will captivate you. Uh, like I said earlier, six-figure company at 18, seven-figure company at 22, I think. Uh, we get into some of that. She's a musician. She is sponsored by Forbes. She does the Unconventional Life podcast, which is incredible. And she is creating these amazing life experience events all over the world. We do authentic relating and flow and, and yoga and just anything that actually brings you in contact with the source, with why we're, why we are all alive. I have never felt better in my life than, than I did when I left that event in Nicaragua. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you all. Okay. And I think that's it. Um, again, any questions, comments, please feel free to tag me on social media at Heath Fist Pumps or leave a voicemail at heatharmstrong.com forward slash voice. All right. Toodles, y'all. Jules, I am pumped that you're on here. This show is called Never Stop Peaking for a reason. You are one of the few people that I've been around that has this just like glow to where I don't even have to ask you. I just know that you're constantly going up to that next highest peak and doing amazing things. Um, and then you start talking and it really blows my mind. So I really appreciate you being <laughs> here. It's so good to be on. Thanks for having me. And uh, after you and I connected in Nicaragua, I definitely felt mutual magic between us both. So it's weird to feel like I, I never thought that kind of thing was possible when I was like working a job in Kentucky and I wasn't surrounded by people who even believed in that kind of thing. Um, but what led me to come down there in the first place was, was crazy because I, Jared was on the previous episode and when I met him when I was like 21 and, and I'm not going to turn this into a long story because it, I'll talk about that another time and people can hear it on other solo episodes. This is going to be more <laughs> about you, but uh, to kind of bridge that gap, I, <laughs> he really just changed my idea on what life could be. And I was, you know, a pretty big alcoholic. And I had a dream shortly after that, that put me in touch with an entity, which I didn't believe in to begin with, but it was so real that I couldn't ignore it. And the idea was that like, if I didn't change the way that I was living, then basically the message from the entity was like, you're coming with me. And it was like scary black eyes. And from that point on, when I met certain people, I would get these flashes of that, like, and I didn't understand intuition really at that point. Um, I didn't really think that you should follow your intuition. Everybody taught me that that's not real. You can't actually do that. Um, but 
I started getting these flashes of that. When I met Jared, that was one of the first times I was like, okay, this is, this is weird, but what he's saying resonates with me. And I'm getting this thought about that dream. And then as my life went on over the next 10 years, and I was able to start, you know, podcasting, interviewing people, learning amazing techniques for like actually bringing and sustaining happiness into life and living in flow and things like that. Um, I never understood the beginning of that entity thing and where it was going. And then Jennifer Spencer (laughs) introduced me to you and I would get, you know, I don't get it with everybody. It's very few people, but I got, I got those flashes again and that was a sign. And you were like, just happened to be like, Hey, I'm doing this UC life event down in Nicaragua. You should look at this application. And I couldn't (laughs) ignore it because I, I got that sign and I had no idea what was going to happen. And I really didn't financially, like I had a fucked up year in 2017 with my business and I lost a lot of money early in the year and I was kind of hurting. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm, this just feels right. I'm going to do it. And I went down there and oh my God. Yeah. Meeting you. It just from, from being around you and listening to you. And this is why I want to get into your story in a second too, because I have never heard your entity story in its extent. Um, but, and then moving into like the breath work with, with Gregoria, where it actually put me back in contact with that same entity. Um, and it was like the message this time was you're, you're on the right path. Like you're in the right place. You're with the right people. And that blew my mind. Like it just, you know, gave me goosebumps. I, if I remember, you might've been throwing up during that ceremony. <laughs> it was a big one. It's pretty 80, 85 <laughs> people moving breath work. And these are like entrepreneurial, like <laughs> top level people that you wouldn't expect to be doing breath work, um, you know, historically, but so powerful. So it was, powerful. In, it was insane. And like, and I, if I look at, yeah, I know you're not like a uh, badgy type girl, but when I look at what you have accomplished, you know, in the top 27 female entrepreneurs changing the world by Inc. in 2017, and number one on that, you're a podcaster, you're a speaker, you're a child of magic and nature, and you're a musician, which your album just came out, Love It Forward, which we'll talk about later as well. Um, you're a multi-potentialite, you're a multi-creative. It's incredible, but when I look at that top, female entrepreneur change in the world. What I see from that is like, it's not, there's, there's so many people they can choose from in that pool. But what you're doing is you're teaching people how to actually live through passion and excitement. And that's why it's such a big deal. That's why you should be at number one on that list. You're creating events like this. And when you said all those entrepreneurs down there, yeah, it was like 75, it was 80 people that were down yeah, there. 80 or so people. Yeah. But everybody I talked to just blew my mind with their stories and their passion and just, it's incredible. And when you actually get to experience that, um, I can't argue with that. (laughs) I I can't argue with that because your, your events are incredible. And so that kind of leads me into your story. I don't always bring stories in through this podcast, but I do think storytelling is really important. And I'm really interested in what happened to you. Um, because it was a trigger for what you're doing now, which is insanely amazing. And you're creating all these events all over the world. Um, you're putting out incredible content and you're doing it efficiently, but you're also just completely living in flow. Right. And I'm sure you have peaks and valleys and things like that. Um, but can you tell, can you share with me in, I don't know if it's long or short or what, (laughs) um, and my, you know, Jason Moore told me, he's like, you got to ask her when you're in Nicaragua, but I never got the chance to to actually ask the full thing. So I'm excited for this. 
Yeah, totally. Well, my life is definitely um, unconventional to say the least. And I actually didn't even have a desire. You know, I wasn't necessarily much of a rebel and was like, hey, let's like, you know, screw the nine to five or let's do it differently. Let's be unconventional. It was more, you know, born out of my own, I guess, work quirkiness in a lot of ways. I never felt like I fit in growing up. I always had a lot of passions. My dad worked Wall Street, New York City, grew up as the oldest of five girls. And, you know, my dad had a way about him where he ran our house like it was the boardroom. And one thing that used to drive me crazy about him is I would come to him with some of the best plans that I thought, whether it was like, hey, dad, I want to, you know, go start like a little side project or I want to go to a friend's house. And within minutes of talking to him, he would always find the holes in every single one of my plans. And as a 16-year-old girl, it was pretty annoying, (laughs) to be honest with you at the time. And uh, I learned to view the world instead of, um, you know, infinite, like, opportunity. I actually started to view the world from a place of what was missing and where are the holes. And that was something, you know, even at like 17, 18, when I started to get into entrepreneurship, I always started to see like what was missing. Like I could take the best, most beautiful, sparkly thing and then notice where the gaps were and where the holes were. And that led me, you know, as I went on to college, university in Colorado, started my first six-figure company at 18, and then my first online company, seven-figure company at 22. I just always like, I could never necessarily feel content or feel satisfied. And even when, you know, I was 24, I had about 30 employees at the time, was running this seven figure company, business partner embezzles a bunch of money. We go into $200,000 worth of debt. Like it's like after, yeah, at 24. And I had just actually skied. I was a sponsored snowboarder at the time. So I just skied 26 mountains, four different countries in 30 days. Like it was a whole, a whole thing. Um, but I had never actually, despite all the success, and even after I started to have that challenge, it actually took eight months of hitting rock bottom, of losing savings accounts, business partners, status, like all the things that I thought were these goals that were so important to me that it was the first time where I like stripped away from everything. I began to ask myself, like, who am I without, you know, this business? Who am I without this, you know, social circle? Who am I without these quote relationships or money in the bank? And when I began to step back and like ask myself, that was the first time in my life where I kind of saw that there was more. It's almost like in the movie, The Matrix, when like the first thing is you understand that there actually is a matrix. It, for me, I was able to actually step outside and be like, huh, like what else could be possible if it's not about more money in the bank account, if it's not about more acknowledgement or recognition. And ultimately like, no matter how successful I had been at a young age, I was never satisfied. It was like always, you know, I'm a big outdoors person and I was always going from summit to summit to summit and never felt content at the top. And so flash forward two years after that, I have this near death experience. And this is a a story that I was sharing in Portugal and that's where our mutual friend, uh, Jason, you know, was talking about it. And it was July of 2015. So just a few years ago, it was this wakeboarding accident. And I'd been going through this whole soul searching hero's journey thing for about a year at this point of like rebuilding this, like, who am I, whatever thing. And then I have this near death experience and I hit the water, I face plant and, you know, having an extreme sports back background, I was like, okay, I'm hurt, but I didn't think I was like totally messed up. And about an hour later, I get off the boat and I'm in the bathroom and I'm in the stall And out of nowhere, everything starts to go numb and tingly. Like I'm barely able to stand up and walk outside of the bathroom. And I tell a friend of mine, I'm like, something is terribly wrong here. I don't remember anything else. I just remember 
coming out of the MRI and I'm in the hospital room. At this point, they think my neck's broken. They think I'm paralyzed, oh. can't feel anything. And this white figure and six black shadow council member approaches me when we have this conversation. And it is, Jules, you have more work to do in the world. Do you want to do it? And I just remember that moment being like, yes, as long as I'm not coming back as a vegetable. <laughs> and in that moment, I got zapped back into my body. I felt this energy forge my neck back together and shoot down my spine. And the moment that I woke up, everything altered. And it was like everything before July 2015 was my life being created by me. And ever since that accident, it's very much felt like my life has been created through me. And it's been a very distinctive shift where instead of me as Jules' human self, like actively in the driver's seat, trying to like make it happen or like spend hours a day on the hustling grind or prove myself or get this accolade or get that thing, the whole picture shifted and I started to allow my gifts to come through me. And flash forward, like three weeks later, I'm in a neck brace and I get a call and it's like, Hey Jules, like you want to come to the UN and be an ambassador in education. I'm like, <laughs> kind of in a neck brace, not the best time, <laughs> but I, it was like a hell yes for me. So I was like, all right. And then I'm on my way there. And then Forbes 30 under 30 is like, can you come to Forbes 30 under 30? A few months after that, they're like, do you want to start writing for us? I have no journalism experience. And I'm like, actually, I have a vision for this podcast. And then Unconventional Life, my podcast becomes official podcast of Forbes Under 30. And all these dominoes, you know, has just been unfolding ever since over the last two years. But that accident was very much a defining moment. Yeah. How long were you unconscious? Um, I don't remember exactly. All I know, though, is I didn't find out until a few months later that my sister was in the hospital room with me. And I, I said something like, there's a light or I'm going into the light or like, I like muttered something under my breath. And my sister said she felt this like presence coming in and went to go get the doctor. Oh, and, uh, which, which I didn't eat. Um, this is Raya. So you met Becca. Yeah. yeah this is, so a fun fact about unconventional life is like three of my five or four siblings work for me <laughs> in unconventional life. Yeah, so my Becca's, 16, Becca's cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah. My 16 year old sister was, uh, doing poetry with us, um, in, in Nicaragua, but my other sister, um, who runs our operations, Raya, she was with me. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was wild. And those words, like they still haunt me. Like you have more work to do, you know, do you want to do it? And I know you mentioned like some of the accolades, like being ranked by Inc. Like our events this year were ranked by Inc. as the top events for entrepreneurs to attend. It's like shit that you could never imagine, especially in the time period has unfolded so quickly. Um, and a result of my willingness to allow it to unfold. And I think often when things feel really good, at least historically for me in the past, it was like I couldn't even trust them or I would have so much resistance or so much fear that I would be paralyzed, that I could only let myself, it was like a self-sabotaging mechanism. Like I could only let it be as good as it gets or like it would be so scary. There's no way I could take that action or like things happen linearly. So there's no way I could have X plus success in B timeframe. Like why should I be writing for Forbes if I hadn't had a journalist background? Meanwhile, like two years later, we've had millions of views in over 75 different countries. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's just like cracking this matrix in a lot of ways and um, really viewing things in a non-linear, non-traditional fashion. You said something when I was in Nicaragua that stuck with me pretty hard. Um, I, I have understood since I was a small child that writing comes through me naturally. And I gave it up for like 10 years. I just recently started picking that back up again a couple of years ago. 
And I never understood where it was coming from. And because when I write things and I go back and read them, I don't remember writing them. I don't remember where the thoughts come from, but I felt like, you know, as I kind of adventured into this realm of the matrix or other possibilities that there was a place this stuff was coming from. And of course, being connected to an entity sort of like yours, mine was a lot scarier as far as like the force that I was face to face with in the, in the beginning, not the situation, your situation was scary. Um, what you said down there was it, if you want stuff to come through you, you have to let it come through you. And that's so simple. But I was, I went from being like, Oh my God, all of these things that I, that I want to do creatively, they really do just flow through you. And it's not about like searching all over the world for them. It's, it's really about creating it in the moment and opening up your channel enough to let it come through, right. And to let it pass through. Mm -hmm. And you went on to talk a little bit about, I think it was love, understanding and perception and how they all kind of come together in this space that you want to open up. And so for people out there that maybe have no idea what they want to do, um, but maybe they believe that they can do more or, or they can open up a channel. What are some things that you suggest or just um, core values that you live by to keep your channel open that so that you can actually allow this type of um, opportunity to flow through you, if that makes yeah, sense. Totally. I love that question. You know, I think for me uh, and for all of us, you know, this conventional model that a lot of us have been grown up in, you know, the linear model of, you know, you go to college or, you know, you get a good job, you're then at a career path, you get married, you get a house, like there's a certain way of thinking. And then ultimately a certain terms of rules for the game. You know, it's like, if you study really hard, you're going to get this result. If you prepare really, really well for the meeting, you'll get that promotion. And this, you know, non-traditional unconventional model basically kind of, you know, throws out all the bathwater, if you will, keeps the baby and throws out the bathwater. And it basically, you know, is a process that I call instead of seeking, instead of searching and instead of planning, I inherently actually do the opposite. And I find it's like a process of remembering in a lot of ways. And what I found is that instead of trying to find my passion or instead of trying to discover something or plan or study, or like a lot of times, you know, for those of us that are starting businesses or have ideas, some people just literally like they get in like analysis paralysis where they're like constantly analyzing and learning and consuming information that they're never even acting or they're never even being in motion. And so I have this process of remembering, which I call rapid visioning. And the premise behind it is that you essentially, it's like a constant feedback loop of like throwing a dart, taking an action, getting feedback, throwing a dart, taking action, getting feedback. And what I've found is that ultimately everything we already know lives inside of us all the time. And for those of you that are listening uh, to this right now, there's probably an area of your life, if you're tuning into this podcast, that you feel like is a gap. And this might be something that keeps you up at night. This might be something that you know wakes you up in the middle of you know your work week in the afternoon and it's this thing that you know inside of you and I relate to it it's like an incongruency that there's something more that lives in you that's not fully being expressed in the world like you might have a knowing about who you are but then when it's like you need to be able to point it out there in the world you can't be like yeah I know I'm this like epic badass but you can't point to like the tangible proof of like there's the business or there's the thing and what I find is by allowing, you know, yourself to remember, ultimately come into congruency with yourself, you're able to create space and actually hear like the wisdom that already lives in you. And essentially like the way I see it is there's no gap. 
necessarily from who you are and where you want to be. There's just a trust in knowing that you actually have it inside of you and you literally just have to open yourself up in order for it to come through you. And so another way I think about this is, is like if there's a giant like faucet hooked up above our heads and we all have an individual hose that's hooked up through us to the sky, often our hoses have little kinks in them, whether that's kinked with fear. Sometimes it's like you said, like an alcohol addiction, or sometimes it's eating really bad food or whatever it is. And those kinks keep the channel from flowing through. And when the channel is kinked, when your hose is kinked, you can't create as effortlessly. And you can counter a lot of resistance where stuff can be hard or you can get stuck a lot. And so my premise, if I look at like, what's the mechanism is this vessel is this hose. If I keep it clear and if I keep it clean, then ultimately stuff can move through me effortlessly. And as a result, I can create more effortlessly. And, you know, case in point, um, just to put this more concretely, you know, I was sitting heartbroken in Colorado, maybe about two years ago, a year and a half ago. And I just gotten out of this like breakup, this relationship and this premise of rapid visioning and being the channel. You know, I just wrote a post and I was like, okay, everybody, like totally missing my women. Like, where are my ladies at? Like, I'd love to take a bucket list trip kind of experience. And I literally said to myself, okay, if nobody comments, I'm going to delete this post in an hour. <laughs> and like, we've all been there, right? It's like, we get, we, get, we get struck <laughs> with inspiration. We're like, yes, I'm going to do it. And then you're like, fuck, like, no way. Like, if no one responds, like, get that out of there. And we've all been there, like, totally, including myself. So I like, I can't even like take it. So I just like go to the, go to the kitchen, grab a glass of water. And instantly I hear these notifications going off like crazy. And this ends up being one of my most viral posts. I get 150 comments in like an hour on this Facebook post, women tagging women, men are messaging me and they're like, are you starting a women's mastermind? Because this could be a really big potential. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, I'm heartbroken. I want to go on vacation. (laughs) And I say to myself in the spirit of rapid visioning, I'm like, okay, what's the next logical step, right? I threw a dart. I took action, which was like, I want to go on a trip. I made a Facebook post, zero attachment, tons and tons of comments. I asked myself, what's the next logical step? I'm like, I'm going to put everyone in a Facebook group because that shit is just getting ridiculous trying to understand the comments on the Facebook thread. I put a hundred women into this group. Then I asked myself, what's the next logical step? They all want to take a trip. So I said to myself, okay, cool. Let me create a quasi thing, thinking about a trip in May for two grand, who's in, et cetera, et cetera. I get 40 responses for a $2,000 trip. And literally in three days, I make an $80,000 revenue stream from one Facebook post that was not even supposed to be a business. (laughs) And like conventional wisdom would teach us, okay, you want to maybe do a retreats business. You should research all your competitors. You should find a location. You should find a venue. You should hire 30 people for sales team, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And then only then put your idea out there and validate it. And this whole rapid visioning way of thinking, this whole being a channel way of thinking, it's just like inherently more logical and simple. It's like, what do you know to be true in the moment? You've got an idea. So for those hearing this, if you're sitting on an idea, like ask yourself, what's the easiest step you could take? And that might be like calling a coworker. That might be making a post on Facebook. That might be like literally sharing this with your dog and being like, hey dog, I have an idea (laughs) just for practice. But then like, After that, you know, getting feedback, noticing, you know, is there a lot of excitement around this idea? Are people interested? And then asking yourself, what's the next dart to throw? Get more feedback. What's the next dart to throw? And um, I find that this process goes moment by moment by moment, rather than looking at this gap of where you are now to say step 10 and trying to act from that place where, you know, if I had said to myself, you know, maybe you're hearing this, you have an idea, maybe you want to host an event. 
if you think about hosting like an international retreat, that might seem like a huge freaking step from where you are now. But if you start thinking about, let me just talk to a few friends and see if they're interested in coming to this country and here's my mission, it's a lot more digestible. So <laughs> I was I was so clogged before I started interviewing people and, and learning what these sort of principles that you can put in place in your life to kind of open your channel. I didn't understand that it was opening the channel, but if you look at the premise of like the sweet ass journal and eliminating distractions and setting a vision over a certain period of time, but you literally are doing exactly what you're talking about. You're picking two things every day that are the most important step to move forward. And it doesn't matter anything else. It's just do those two things and it's going to connect the dot over time. And so when people ask me, like, how do you accomplish these things? How do you, you know, make this project and bring it to life and do all these things at once? It's literally like I'm sitting down on the fucking floor, burning incense every morning, looking at the journal, thinking, what are the two things I can do today to move towards this on my vision board? And that's what I'm doing. And that's one of the the biggest ways that I open up my channel. And of course, you mentioned um, before, like meditation is a good way to open up your channel, obviously monstrous way to open up your channel. But I, I do think there are certain people out there that will never try it just for the principle of that they think that it's not great for them. And maybe it's not for some people. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, and I think along with that too, like even the languaging of like channel or whatever, like that was another one too. I have some of my business friends. They're like, you tell entrepreneurs to open up their channel and they don't laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they don't throw tomatoes in your face. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and that's enough. This is for all of us, right? We, we think we have, you know, there's ways in which we can express ourselves, and we're so worried about what other people think. But I find that, you know, being a channel for me, like the, the essence of it is whether you use that language or not, I do believe each one of us has the capacity to our, allow our gifts to be created through us. And it's a value that I call of emergence. So like letting what is here in the moment to arise and emerge coming back to like present moment, you know, practices. And so just as like a little caveat for those hearing this, like you don't have to relate to channeling necessarily um, to say, Hey, that's cool for her. Cool for him. But that's not for me. I really do think we all have value in allowing our gifts to naturally, you know, emerge themselves in the moment. Right. And another way to look at it is clear your mind. Like, right. How do you find clarity? And those are things like you mentioned better eating habits. Don't eat a bunch of shit. Don't stick this amazing body. That's your sanctuary for your life, you know, full of dung. That's going to weigh you down and make you feel like ass, um, and moving and exercising and things like that. These are not secrets. These are things that most people that perform at high levels do for a reason. It clears your yeah. mind. It opens or, or opens up that channel that some people might get angry about. Um, yeah. So I, I was going to ask you on top of that, like, so, so on the basic level, there are people that can work in that direction. Um, I think if you go to the other side for people that have a lot more of the success-based problems, I think it becomes, it comes down to maybe how do you manage the feeling after you do reach one of your summits or one of your peaks? And this is something else that I struggle with. There's always that explosion of excitement, perhaps like tears of joy, reflection, and then there's like this silence in this weird period afterwards when you accomplish one of these things that maybe you never thought you would accomplish, but then you get there. And a lot of times this comes with a blow of maybe depression or confusion or what's next, you know, that question. And after you mm -hmm. peak, what's that process like for you to start that next big trek up towards the sun again? 
Yeah, I like you highlighting it because I think this is a part of the journey that no one wants to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, for me, um, you know, we've hosting these, you know, five day mastermind events for entrepreneurs all over the world. And, you know, it started from a dream that I had with 30 entrepreneurs in Bali, no live events experience. And I wake up and Bali is the first words out of my mouth. And, you know, I sold, I sold that event out and this is like a year and a half ago. And like, literally I was like, holy shit. Like my dad was literally like, you're going to convince 30 people to fly halfway across the world, the world and pay how much in less than two months time. He's like, Arif, have you lost your mind? Put a hole in <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. And like seven weeks later we sold it out and it was freaking incredible. Um, but more than anything, like, you know, so I went there and then I remember being like in the closing circle and I was like, said to everyone, I was like, I don't know if we'll do this again. I don't know when, where, how much, but you know, if you guys want to give me a deposit, like we'll definitely do it. And then 30% of the people said yes on the spot. And then I had to figure out like how to take payment and what I should even charge for a deposit. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, then people were bought into this vision and I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to do this again. So I was like, instead of 30, I'm going to go for 50. And then we brought 50 entrepreneurs to a castle in Italy. And, uh, you know, I literally was like, holy shit, like I've lost my mind. Like there's no way we can do 50 people. And then like flash forward, like we sell that event out. And then this last event was 80 in Nicaragua. And there were so many moments where as we were going from 50 to 80, I was like, there's just no way. Like so many times I was like, I am just, I've completely lost it. And like this time, this time I've really lost it. And lo and behold, like I made it to that opening, you know, night in which you were at us in Nicaragua. I remember you were like, oh my God, it's done. (laughs) I know. I was like, holy shit, this thing's been birthed in the world. Everyone's like, are you stressed? I'm like, no, no way. (laughs) Like I'm here to have fun. (laughs) But after the event, um, I crashed. It was the most effortless event for me to host. So much transformation happened. And I crashed so hard at the the end of the event. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was there and we were equating it. She was like, it's like postpartum depression. Like I literally feel like I had been putting all this energy for months into this one goal, like giving it everything I had. And then I finally hit the goal. And then when the event was over, it was like this part of me, like was birthed into the world. And then there was like nothing left for me to like hold on to or fixate to. And I was in a really low spot, um, after, Nicaragua. Plus I was also filming seven music videos right after, which was <laughs> not a recommended decompression. <laughs> Let me tell you, I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but I, I, you know, but I had to take a week off, um, in the middle of filming because I was just like, so in it, um, you know, and I just felt it all. And I think for me, like the biggest thing that I've learned is that these like darker feelings. And another way to say it is with every big expansion, there's an equal and opposite contraction is what I found. So the more you expand yourself, the more you grow, it's to that degree you will experience that contraction on the other side. Kind of like if you're playing in an accordion, it's like the pressure comes in and then boom, and it can span out wider. It comes in even more, boom, it spans out wider. And that is an important cycle that I feel like often gets missed because so often, especially when you're finding success, it's like, oh my gosh, like this huge, huge expansion. And then you crash and it's like, oh my gosh, I could never do it again. Rather than like looking at it, like actually this has to happen in order for me to then take a bigger breath to expand more. And so I find that that cycle is like a part of the process. And for me now, I've just learned to have more awareness and acceptance. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'm here on the data point. Oh, I'm in the contraction. Okay, that's right. Like I'm resourcing for another expansion. Kind of witnessing yourself and understanding it. 
Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is I give myself full permission to feel my feelings. Like, and I can't tell you guys, like, if you're not doing this, how important that is, because I would just try to numb myself or, or, you know, I would just resist it. I would go into the gym and spend hours not thinking about it or immediately move on to another project or take it out on my boyfriend, <laughs> like, and just like, you know, being nitpicky over like little things, like, you know, when we all kind of do this to some degree. And I found that, um, you know, giving myself the ability just to feel and be like, yeah, it's okay that I feel like shit. And it's okay that I feel like I'm questioning my existence and like, I don't know what's next. And I find that a rewiring is also a really beautiful part that happens in these contractions as they relate to them. And I feel like I'm going through one right now. You know, we were about to do four events this year and I decided to go to two, release this album, like have been, you know, transitioned out of writing for Forbes this year, starting a, you know, large TV show, which is up and coming, which is on the list for this year and some other really big pieces, but a lot of stuff's been transitioning. And I used to really be afraid of transitions. Like I used to hate transitions because there was so much uncertainty and so much just not knowing. And I know that like something new is rewiring in me and I feel it's huge. And I think this is for all of us. It's like when stuff isn't necessarily going great or definitely not how we anticipated it to go, I find that's, those are the moments where if you're willing to create stillness and space for yourself, mm -hmm. that's where you are literally able to integrate all of the wins of each peak that you, that you achieve. And without that integration, like there's no meat at the bottom to launch you back up again. There's no oomph in the reserve to bring you back to the top. And so right now, like I'm actively, I've been sitting in one <laughs> and I've been sitting in this transitory, like incubation period and it's exciting. And if anything, like I'm, I'm heading to Guatemala next week just to heal for 10 days and like, you know, do some like interpersonal stuff before we go to South Africa and do our next live event. And, um, I find that it's all part of the journey. And so I try to not view it as much as like my highs and my lows, because I think as an entrepreneur, you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows. It's a roller coaster ride, but I view it more of like a spectrum and a continuum rather than it's like an either or. And I like to just relate to where I am in the spectrum, where I'm into the continuum and then give myself the permission to just be where I'm at and then ultimately resource myself where I'm at for trust that, you know, it's a spectrum. So it's going to move in one direction or the other. Yeah. Incredible. I feel like I'm in a transitional period too. And for me, when I'm, when I have all of these amazing things coming together at once, like I'm in the middle of like four or five projects that are about to birth and launch. That's when resistance, when those gremlin fucks come hard, like they mm -hmm. come really hard. And just as you said, like if you like an accordion, you know, you're expanding and you're relieving pressure and you're coming back in. Um, the more we accomplish, I feel like that force against us grows at the same time. I mean, they come hard and that's why I had such a bad, I did, you know, huge peak 2016 was able to leave my job, create this business that did like 600, you know, thousand in sales and then have this colossal breakdown just when I thought that it was like the best point of my life and, you know, deaths in the family, lose both of my dogs to cancer. And I had this just spout of so much stress where I went blackout um, with my eyes and like lost I literally lost my sight, hit the ground, and I didn't feel normal for two or three months. I had an extreme case of what I can only really describe it as vertigo, um, mm -hmm. but the doctors said that it wasn't vertigo, but I literally did not feel like myself. I was out of my yeah. body. The stress was insane to me. Um, and I learned to get over those resistance gremlins by doing what you're saying and, and understanding that 
it was all part of the process and I had to let it all pass through me. And I wanted to, like when I, when I came into the, the better part of that again and things started to pick up, I would look at resistance and I'd laugh like a, like a maniac, like just absolutely laugh when something went wrong. I, I know how to look at it differently now and I know how to respond to it. But there's also times where I let the emotion come through like you're suggesting. And so I was wondering what, when was the last time that you cried tears of joy? Do you remember? <laughs> I cry pretty regularly. <laughs> and uh, I, I, for myself, um, coming in the spirit of like allowing things to move through, I think emotion is just another um, medium <laughs> in which things, you know, can move through. And uh, I was just hosting a mastermind event with actually, uh, there's seven of us um, piloting this rapid visioning process that I've been sharing. And so we were just out in Boulder for one of the last weekends of the program. And there was a moment, I think it was the last thing I said at the weekend. And it was the first time, you know, in a while, I think since I've been in this transition where I got to see and feel the impact of my gifts. And I think this is a big one for me. And it might be for some of those that are tuning in is that when I feel disconnected to the impact that I'm making directly or disconnected to experiencing the success of my gifts, that's when these like gremlins and all, as you refer to it, like that's when they become really loud where I'm like, am I even like making value? Like I remember I was like telling my boyfriend like three days before the mastermind started, I'm like, like, how are these, like, why are these people flying into Boulder? Like, I, I think I've like said everything profound I could possibly ever say. <laughs> and like, there's no way I have anything left to teach. Like, I'm really sure. And he's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, no, but I'm serious. Like they're coming and I have nothing planned. And um, if you really knew me, you would know that I improv everything. And uh, not because I don't plan, but because my gifts come through um, the best way that way. And so I was like, I'm just like totally lost it. And it was, you know, Sunday night at the end of the mas mastermind flash forward four days later. And I actually started crying and I was just so struck and so in awe of like feeling my gifts and myself again, but ultimately receiving them through, um, you know, receiving the other people. And it was, you know, it was just a really big moment. Like I wasn't expecting to get, you know, emotional around it. And it was just like, whoa, yeah, like, okay, there is more left in the barrel. Like the well runs deeper. <laughs> like I do have more stuff. And then like, you know, flash forward, I've like had an incredible sales week out of nowhere. You know, we've uh, like done already like 20K this week, which has been awesome, you know? And so it's nice. just like a byproduct of, um, yeah, of just having having more space and giving myself the permission to be literally three days before, like I've drained all my value and I can't teach anything. And I'm a total fraud to like, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Holy that. shit. Like I'm on the top of the world, you know, <laughs> and make an impact. So was Holly in that mastermind group? Yeah, she was. Yeah. She's amazing. She's so good. Yeah. The whole group. I mean, and you know, we had uh, quite a interesting, you know, closing, afternoon and it was with Isabel, another woman who's a brilliant woman who attended one of our unconventional life events. And, you know, we sat everyone in this circle and it was just like an intuitive playground where, um, and, and for those hearing this, like people that come, you know, aren't like, you know, they wouldn't identify traditionally with like intuition and channeling and things like that. You know, they're more rigid and entrepreneurial, but then they get opened in this way and they're like, Oh wait, this is all the stuff I have been feeling and this is language for it. And this is okay. Like this isn't weird to like, you know, talk about this stuff and this isn't taboo to bring in these conversations. And, um, anyways, it was just profound to witness that circle and to see just another layers of opening from, um, those that you wouldn't expect. 
historically. In, in Nicaragua, when we were doing authentic relating events, I I had a couple of partners, even with the, you know, there's, for people listening, there's a lot of weird things, uh, activities that we do. And some of them are like, you know, you stare at somebody in the eyes that you don't really know unless you know everybody there uh, for a period of time. And sometimes you're staring them in the eyes and saying things that you're thinking about them out loud. And sometimes you're just staring, but you could sense uncomfort, like so much uh, resistance and, and is uncomfort a word in that sense? Like <laughs> uncomfortable ability? Discomfort. Discomfort. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I have like third grade uh, vocabulary <laughs> skills. But you could totally sense that. And then over the, the period of that four or five days, it was just like insane to me watching some of those people. Like I'm an I'm very introverted. I probably, I mean, I talk to a lot of people there, but like never in a group setting because I just am not that way. Um, I need to learn to get over that gremlin. But I watched like other people with different struggles open up and just eventually they start talking about how uncomfortable they might have been. And then it just pours out of them. And it's like, you can just feel the healing. And it's, it's like a form of magic that I've never been around before. It was just insane with all of those people and all of that energy coming together. I don't even like, I, I just want everybody to know what that feels like. Cause I was on high for like two weeks after that. I was like insanely yeah. creative, crazy productive, so in flow. Um, but I think the authentic relating side of that is, is huge. Sure. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we like to, uh, for those hearing this and, you know, um, heard about our events, our events follow this thing, what I call pattern interrupt methodology, <laughs> where we're constantly changing the variables of what you're experiencing and how you're experiencing and at what times and at what different places. But authentic relating is one of our um, modalities with this like pattern interrupt piece. And it really is like giving you the space to connect, like cut through the small talk and really create deep connection in a matter of minutes. And so often when you take away the need to use words as a way to communicate and you actually just be with someone and you communicate with your presence. And I mean, we're, I mean, more of our communication is through our nonverbal communication anyways, but when you put explicit attention on that, it gives so much just permission and space. Um, I found in my own life, but in those that I facilitate it with that, yeah, the transformations are just profound. Um, and I mean, that's why like, you know, with our events, like people come back, you know, we've had 70% of people keep coming back and it is like, like you said, you're on a high for two weeks after it's like, that's the kind of shit that like keeps me up in the morning <laughs> and gets me out of bed. It's like the stuff that, um, you know, it's like actually life altering, which is, um, a big claim to make, I guess, but it's also like the trueness of what happens. And it's amazing. I think when you get the opportunity to take off your masks, and just be related no matter how successful you are or how inadequate you feel in comparison to someone else. Like at the end of the day, we're all people. We all go through the same shit, you know, no matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have, like it's all the same common human experience and finding uh, shared reality in that I think is so beautiful and not um, always a common experience for a lot of us in our work and our professions and our social interactions. Live authentically, motherfuckers. What you yeah. do. Um, for somebody who doesn't believe in magic, jewels, or manifestation, or bringing visions to reality, if you could say one thing to change their mind, what do you think it would be? <laughs> Stop denying the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. <laughs> um, what I would say is that if magic, you know, is too much of a stretch for you, I have friends of mine that are very logical minded, one, including my dad who worked Wall Street in New York City. And more than anything, um, you know, I have this game, I call it the hell yes or no game. And the premise behind it is really feeling a full bodied yes. It's like saying yes to something that you're already yesing before uh, you're not even thinking about it. It's someone's like, hey, you want to come on an all expense paid trip to Mexico? And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like coming out of your mouth before you even uh, yeah. signed up for it. And then there's often these times where we have these yeses that are kind of like a seven or a six, sometimes a three, these obligatory yeses, or your partner's like, hey, will you come, you know, help me out and move this weekend? And you're like, sure. <laughs> and we do this all the time, and, you know, throughout work and through other things. And so if you're someone that doesn't believe magic is real, this is how I first started exercising my intuition. And I didn't even call it intuition. I was totally running an experiment because I felt like I was always had more opportunities than I knew what to do with, or I just never felt like I was getting anywhere and I was working so hard. And so this game, the premise behind it is for one week, create an Excel spreadsheet. See, you can, <laughs> you can do it without magic, create an Excel spreadsheet and just take a noticing at the end of the day, how many invitations you get and give, an, give a ranking system on a one to a 10 of how many invitations you got and what that number felt like to you when you got it. So for example, someone's like, hey, do you want to go out for drinks later? That would be an invitation. Notice if that felt like a full resonant 10 or if that felt like a seven and just put a number next to it. And then at the end of the experience, notate how it went. Okay, that was actually like a three. Or like, you know what, that experience, that was a 12. And in the process of tallying the invitations that you have at the end of the night, um, I promise you once you get the feedback from that, you'll start to notice that when I found that I started saying no to a lot more things, but my motto now is I won't, I will completely say no to an eight or a nine to make space for a 10. So if it is not a hell yes for me, it's a no. And it's either a no or a not right now. So for those that are hearing this, um, this was my access point to magic. And this was my access point to magic when I didn't have intuition in my vocabulary. And when I maybe didn't believe so much in magic, um, I found that, um, yeah, when I say no to the things that aren't full bodied yeses, then, um, that's when more aligned opportunities come. So that would be my premise. Try it on for a week, take some space at the end of each night, tally up on a one to 10 ranking system, how the invitations are when you receive them and then how they are after. And you'll literally start building this muscle where if you say no to the eights or nines for tens, um, you'll start to see your life and ultimately more magic appear in very synchronistic ways. <laughs> I like that action. You had that down. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when you've, I always think when I have a decision to make and this isn't necessarily trying to make myself believe in magic, but like, if I don't know what direction to go, I, you know, when you flip a coin, you know, what side it's, you know, what side you want it to land on. Right. That's totally. the place that you should go. And I don't know if it was you or someone else down there that led us through an exercise to where you basically just do the same thing, but you're visualizing what your life would be like um, with the different options that you're considering and then feeling which one is being pulled by your intuition the most. And is it a hell yes? Cause if it's not, then it's a hell no. And to stay away from it. And I think that's a very, very simple and effective way to, um, move towards your visions, your goals and your dreams without being overwhelmed or stressed or, you know, having a disco party in your brain with resistance gremlins or anything like that. Totally. So good. Yeah. And that was, uh, Jackie natural and Justin Fairman of flow mastery. Oh, Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. She's Jackie coming on this, this show to talk about flow actually too. Ah, uh, so, upcoming yeah. attractions. <laughs> yeah. So amazing. Um, oddly enough, Jules, I had a dream the other night that we were hanging out. 
<laughs> it was really weird though. It was like me, you, Amanda Wolf, except uh-huh. except Amanda was actually your little sister. And we were doing ayahuasca in a living room somewhere in Mexico. <laughs> and you were singing and she was painting. And it was like this very grainy sepia tone, like vibe from like a Robert Rodriguez film or something. And it was just, I just remember it being like weird. And I think it was, we were like all in this like waiting period where we thought like the ayahuasca was going to kick in, but then this like crazy city alarm went off and which gave it even more of a Robert Rodriguez vibe. And then I woke up to Lindsay's like end of the world alarm clock that scares the hell out of me every morning, um, which I thought it was weird. But like the fact that you were singing and then the next morning I remembered that you had that album coming out. So I went to listen to it before I talked to you the other day. Um, and you have seven tracks on it, right? Yep. And it is beautiful because when I was in Nicaragua and you actually do, like you said, you improv pretty much everything and you had a lot of improv. What's the word for that? <laughs> Improvisational. <laughs> yeah. that. So there was a lot of that going on with instruments and, and some of the other crew that were down there. And then you would kind of just start singing. And I was like, where is this coming from? And I didn't know at the time you were also like working towards a record or that you would make some crazy maniac decision to go film seven music videos. Right. <laughs> Um, which I saw one of them that you released. I don't know if you put any more of them out, but you have this amazing album. Uh, your voice gives me goosebumps. It feels like it's from a different world. Uh, you're channeling it effectively and creatively. And I love it. And it's called love it forward, right? How was that experience? Like, when did you get the idea that you wanted to make an album? How old are you Jules? 28, 28. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible to, musicians usually kind of come up as musicians and maybe you did a little bit, but you never recorded anything, but how did that all come uh, to a whole? Yeah. I love this question. So for me, this was one area, you know, it was something that I was really passionate about, but growing up with my dad in wall street, he was always like, you're never going to make money with music and blah, blah, blah. Starving <laughs> artist. Dad sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I know. He's like my biggest fuel. <laughs> that generation. Yeah. <laughs> but interestingly enough, he left wall street three years ago and he became a ski instructor in Breckenridge nice. <laughs> and so and a yoga teacher. So he's on a whole new path now, but, um, yeah. So I always compartmentalize my music. It was never something that I did for anything other than, you know, myself. And I still played in bands and, you know, would kind of do some stuff, noodle around a little bit, but I, I never really put active energy into creating like I did in my, my businesses. Cause that for me, you know, was a conventional evidence of success. Whereas like putting money or time into making a music album when you're, you know, whatever, not going to make a full career out of just music is like wasteful is at least the conversation I inherited. So long and the short of it, this had been a dream of mine for nine years. I had been talking about making my own album. Nine freaking years. That is such <laughs> a long time. Like as a person that gets a lot of shit done, like I just couldn't get this thing done. Like I just, it was like my biggest block. And interestingly enough, um, coming back to that dart that I threw when I you know, made that uh, Facebook post with all the women when I was heartbroken in Colorado, I had just gotten out of that relationship. Uh, a month later, I'm on an island in Panama and I meet this guy and I'm leading a workshop on the power of spoken word out of all things. I was like, screw business. I'm heartbroken. I'm talking about artistic expression. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, this is like my first workshop on the power of spoken word. And I just told the organizer, I was like, if I'm coming, you need to bring me a guitar player. 
And so he delivers me a guitar player who ends up being my now partner of the last year. <laughs> We're like sitting on a log on an island and he starts strumming and I look up at him and I'm like, holy shit, like, where did you come from? And um, nonetheless, um, he became like the muse in a lot of ways. Um, and after three months of meeting each other, we literally, I had written 11 songs and I turned 11 songs into seven and created an entire album in three months. And these songs were, yeah, just took, took me nine years and then boom, 11 songs, three months. Here we go, everyone. So this is to let you know that timing is everything. And if you're still sitting on something, like there's still hope. Um, but also that, um, you know, more than anything, I just, I like something opened in me this channel opened in me in terms of my artistic expression. And these songs were coming in the form of, you know, literally I was reading a book and then would start free writing. And then five days later, I would take my free writing to something he'd be playing on guitar and boom, there'd be a song. Or like I'd be strumming my ukulele and then, you know, put the recorder on and an entire song with all the lyrics would be there. Or I was in Venice and I was like voice memoing, like at a train station and like the first three lines of this other song came about. And so the process was very effortless, but these songs um, were literally, you know, channeled through me um, and none that I sat down to create, but rather came through. And so uh, it's a very eclectic mix, love it forward, <laughs> to say the least, with all seven songs and it, it felt fitting. And I remember going to the recording studio and had like two songs done and we had the other time slot booked a month later to come in and do the other five. <laughs> and so he's like, so um, like what other five songs are you doing? And I was like, um, I don't know yet. They haven't all been written. <laughs> and he's like, you're coming back in a month. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. And so uh, very moment by moment. Process. It's amazing how the pieces just show up when you need them, when you're actually ready, you know, before you might not yeah. have been ready and, and they showed up and it happened exactly how it was supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's been awesome. It's been crazy, totally uncomfortable to get it all out there. But yeah, the album's out now. And uh, yeah, it's a whole, whole other chapter. I actually, interestingly enough, got to go to Grammys Week in New York a few months ago and perform with some Grammy award-winning artists. And yeah. Martin, I know, and I was like, I'm yeah, I just, right? I was like, yeah, I just have an album that came out, <laughs> which was like totally in flow. It wasn't even something I thought I was going to do. Um, so anyways, it's just great to watch how everything unfolds in divine timing. So. Yeah, for sure. So this is available on Apple um, Music, iTunes, Spotify. I'm going to give a copy of the downloadable album away. So if you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway, which is a technique that I stole from Jules's podcast, um, <laughs> you can good. get entered to win that as well as all of the future giveaways that we do for every guest episode that we have on this show. Jules. I'm going to ask one more question um, to you, and then I want you to ask me a question that can make me feel uncomfortable, if you can do that. Uh, I want to try to do this every show because I want, it to, I want to develop my ability to answer questions on the spot. been out of the podcasting game for a while. You know how that is. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think it's a very healing thing to, to do. So for you, uh, if you, if you had ants in your pants, where – well, let's say you do have ants in your pants. Where where are you dancing to next in this magical voyage? <laughs> Good question. I would say, let me think about this because I have some stuff coming, but I want to like actually think about this. Um, yeah, for some reason, like Kenya and Botswana are coming. Uh. Yeah, which is kind of strange because I've actually never had any desire to go there. <laughs> Jared, Jared's um, all about Kenya. 
Yeah, maybe I meant to connect with him. I know Jared was on our Unconventional Life podcast, um, which, which is obviously how we connected. Um, but I would say, yeah, there's something around travel that feels really important to me. Um, and then also, like, there's something really big brewing in me. Like, I feel like I'm about to take this next quantum jump. And I was just in Tulum and I was meeting this really profound healer. It's like in his sixties, like film for Janis Joplin and the doors and revolutionized acupuncture and all this other stuff. And he was like, you are about to be at an unrecognizable level of success in the next like few months. Uh... It's about to catapult in you and everyone, you know, in your life, like not as not all those people will still be left. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> anyway so like you know i'm just i'm incubating something is incubating so i don't know where where it goes but i those places are calling me and uh i just have deep deep surrender and flow so maybe we'll update you all on part two of jules's life sometime yeah, beautiful year. for sure <laughs> so. i'm going to paris in a couple of days and i get i'm gonna go stalk down uh, jim morrison's grave yeah, so good. I'm not like a graveyard freak or anything, but <laughs> I'm just that big of a Jim Morrison fan. Yeah. So Jim Morrison's great. Yeah. All right. Shoot a question at me. All right. Your question. Let's do it. So what is one thing that you would feel uncomfortable with most of your listeners knowing about you? Let's see. I'm pretty good at not feeling uncomfortable sharing things, but um I got a better question. Okay, what is one <laughs> what is what is one awkward sex moment you've had recently? Oh, what happened? Oh, that one's a lot harder. You can't just interrupt <laughs> with a harder question. It wasn't oh, it wasn't man. it wasn't traction enough. Man, let's <laughs> I think I think the most the most recent one is just like I've got dogs and we have a puppy and it's like you're just getting it <laughs> and then this like puppy just jumps up in the middle and is like you know you're like whoa like do we stop like do you let it kill your vibe do you like push it away over and over but she just kept just kept trying to get in the middle of that and just over and over and I'm just like stiff arming stiff arming it um yeah so that was I I can relate to that. I'm a black lab (laughs) border collie dog, and she just does a stare down, like it, like satisfaction on her face. (laughs) You're like, this is so creepy. Yeah, I don't think the puppies figured it out, like to just stare. She like really wants to know what the hell's going on. (laughs) She's up up in the business. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jules, where can everybody get in touch with you? I know the unconventional life show dot com. Right. Yeah. And yes. Where else? You have julesschroeder.com. Where are you on social media and all of that? Yeah. So all my um, Instagram, Facebook stuff is Jules Schroeder Life, and it's S C H R O E D E R, and Jules is J U L E S. And then if you guys like podcasts, you can just search Unconventional Life in iTunes. We actually just launched our video series on YouTube, so you can find Unconventional Life on YouTube. And then we have an amazing guide. So if you're someone that you know maybe is more of a conventional lifestyle and you want to try this unconventional life on, we've got this ten principles. 10 tools to living an unconventional life. And it's a free guide and just on our site at unconventionallifeshow.com. So you can grab that and you can, you know, start this, start your own version of the journey. So. Yeah. I'll put all that in the, well, I don't, I'm probably going to do more article style 
post. Actually, you do you you guys you don't do show notes traditionally, right? You do like articles and then tag podcasts with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like so it much better. better. Totally better. Yeah. yeah. Show notes, I feel like, are such a waste of time sometimes. But I'll put all of these links into that somehow at the bottom, so you guys can go to heatharmstrong.com. Um, click on the podcast tab and you can get to all of these goodies and yeah, Jules, you are incredible. Um, I cannot express to you how thankful I am to have met you and to have you on this show and to continue to follow you in this magical, you hear that everybody magical journey. Um, Mm -hmm. it's real. And I just honestly, like authentically, I, I'm just in awe with you. So I really appreciate everything in all of your time. Mm, thanks you so awesome so great to be here and like kick off this amazing series and uh two more magic for everyone to come <laughs> yes and, and everybody out there like as we've discussed like the universe as you're striving it's it's always going to test your temper um it's the natural order of things like we've all had those days where birds drop squeezers on our heads but for every positive like jules says there's going to be a negative there's going to be a rebound um, for every push, you, you can either allow these sour dips to cripple you or you can laugh like a raging lunatic and take note of the <laughs> lesson and use the experience as motivation to dominate and to move forward. So be patient, be kind, be that weird, freakishly happy maniac in the coffee shop. And when life gives you lemons, paint those fuckers in gold and feed them to the world. And we'll talk <laughs> yeah. to you guys later. <laughs> Bye, everyone. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to earth. Hello, this is Todd. I hope that your uh, your little booties are feeling nice and, and tushy after that incredible interview with Jules and Heath. It's just always such a sensual thing to hear, such high-level conversation, and I'm, I'm really happy that you all got to experience that. Um, just a note, if you guys want to... Uh, if you want a little reminder, you should definitely go to RageCreate.com because this Kickstarter is going to launch very soon. And if you get on the pre-launch list, you'll have access to the early bird tiers, which are discounts um, when it launches. And these are some cool-ass products that you should uh, chickity check out. I mean, good to pour all over your floor, roll around naked, maybe uh, stuff a couple affirmation cards in your undies drawer, whatever toots your hoot, if you know what I mean. Um... So, if you've got a nice little bag of Skittles in your hand and you're chewing down, I just want you to swallow that with with your little Skittles there and keep it in mind. You can follow Heath on social media at Heath Fist Pumps. He loves engagement, but sometimes he hates social media, so I'm not sure if he'll respond or not right away, but he'll get back to you at some point, toots. Don't get your feelings hurt. And then also... um. I just wanted to remind you that you can leave a voicemail at any time at heatharmstrong.com forward slash voice. And you can enter the giveaways at 
heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. All the show notes for this show and every other show, if you really want to call them show notes, they're more like um, bold subject lines, uh, (laughs) something along those lines. You can go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. And yeah, check out the sweet ass journal on Amazon because Heath's got kids to feed. Everybody have a good day or night or, um, you know, massage session or whatever you're doing right now. Toodles.